0: Welcome, Clarice, to Hanksy Panksy Horror Hut. Tell me, Clarice, is this a podcast? Within a podcast where we watch spooky movies referenced in Scream? Uh, Yes, yes it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I am Luke Patrick. Guess what we watched this week? Yeah.
1: And I'm Jackie Szilagyi.
0: And yeah, it's a real mystery what we watched uh, this week. Uh, But Jackie, for the record, what did we watch?
1: silence of the lambs
0: nice and uh as always uh with this project while sam's on parental leave um we are watching movies referenced specifically in scream uh no homages just direct references so jackie what's the direct reference to silence of the lambs
1: did they ever really decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? I don't think so. It's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sydney. It's uh, the part of the speech, the villain speech at the end by uh, spoilers, the killers from mm-hmm. Scream. So this was a Billy Loomis quote. Um, if by this point you haven't seen Scream and you're listening to this episode, that's your problem.
0: Yeah, that's on you at this point. Folks, we're <laughs> we did an episode on Scream. Yep. <laughs> so hopefully you're not working backwards and we just spoiled the shit out of Scream for And this you. is
1: not the only time that I have quoted the killer in my explanation of why we watched a movie. So... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, that's why we did it. Um, Jackie, what's your relationship to... I was going to say Scream for a second, to <laughs> Silence of the Lambs?
1: Uh, this is probably the movie on our list with the closest relationship to me, Uh and that's because i kind of blame it for my entire meandering as career path. So, <laughs> i i watched Silence of the Lambs at a pretty young age. I was i don't remember exactly when. It was either late middle school or early high school. Um and i loved it and it made me want to go into forensics of some kind. I wanted to be either a profiler or some kind of forensic scientist. Yeah. Um this was Pre-CSI, by the way. I was going to
0: say, I think usually people are like, man, CSI is so cool, I'd like to yeah, be Yeah, fuck in that. that show.
1: Uh, <laughs> CSI turned me off of forensic science because suddenly it was all popular and I couldn't be, like, mainstream. <laughs> At that age, I was... No, I wanted to be influenced by creepy serial killer movies, not by, like, popular television shows. So I kind of avoided forensics for a while, but... uh Still had that obsession in the back of my mind, so then years later in college, I was like, you know what, I want to go into forensics. I was, at the time, going to go into med school, was going to, ended up being like, I'll be a forensic pathologist, and then I realized, nah, what I really am interested in the forensic part is so, is more like what I could get from a master's program, um... And actually, fun story, ended up going to the Masters of Forensic Science program that Will Graham went to from the books. So if you're not familiar, (laughs) Silence of the Lambs is based on a book by Thomas Harris, who also wrote, there were a few books, other books in the series. The first one was actually Red Dragon, which they also made a movie out of.
0: Which is a fantastic movie. It's a
1: great movie. Um, Ed
0: Norton. Yep. Some other people.
1: Uh, and that's actually the prequel to, or, you know, it came out first and then Silence of the Lambs was a sequel to it. So, uh, I was heavily influenced by the movies, the books, the TV show Hannibal didn't come out until I was already in law school, which I went to because I had to take a law class in my forensics program. Um, note note that I am using neither of these degrees (laughs) at this point in my life. Uh, But I feel like this movie is ultimately to blame for all of that.
0: Yeah. That's kind of a lot to put on uh, this movie.
1: Yeah. How about you? What's your relationship to Silence of the
0: Lambs? Also worth noting that you have also read all the books. Yes, I have. And you, you did the books predate the movies for you or did they? This
1: movie predated the books. Okay. um, And then I read, I don't remember what order I read the books in because I picked up Silence of the Lambs. This was back like pre-Kindle. So I picked up Silence of the Lambs because they were selling it in my high school bookstore because some class was reading it, I guess. Um, And I picked up Red Dragon because it was on a used bookshelf at the beach. So I read this during a <laughs> beach vacation. Um, I think Red Dragon, I think I read it first. I don't remember. I just remember seeing it say something about Hannibal Lecter on the cover and I went, there are other Hannibal Lecter books. Uh, so yeah, the books are great. I do recommend them. They're, uh, I mean, they're, they're fairly dated at this point. They came mm. out in the 80s. I think Red Dragon came out in 81. Damn, um, I
0: didn't realize they were that old, yeah.
1: Well, the movie, uh, *Sounds of the Lambs, came out in 91. so True,
0: so 10 years, yeah, 10 years difference.
1: Yeah, um, and I don't know what year the book for Silence came out, but it was after Red Dragon, so it's somewhere in that 10-year space. Uh, but yeah, they they hold up pretty well, uh, and they're a lot of fun, and it's really interesting to read them and then see the difference between the books and all of the various adaptations and it's notable to me that every adaptation leans harder into the Hannibal Lecter character because everyone is like no no this is what people are here for
0: (laughs) yeah Will Graham is pretty cool we'll get into the the Hannibal TV series quite a bit oh I'm
1: sure Um, we couldn't stop ourselves
0: yeah we won't be able to stop ourselves but um yeah Will Graham is a cool character Mm-hmm. And, uh, and
1: Clarice is great.
0: Clarice is great as well. But for sure, the meat and potatoes of this movie yes. is Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Uh, he's, he's you know, the special sauce in this whole series. 100%. Um, Yeah. So anyway, you've read the books. I haven't actually planned to. I feel like that'd be really cool.
1: I think you'd enjoy them.
0: Yeah. As a fan of uh, various adaptations. Um, so my relationship to this movie it goes like this. I did not see Silence of the Lambs until after I had seen Hannibal and (laughs) Hannibal Rising.
1: The movie Hannibal.
0: Yes, the movie Hannibal. Gotcha. The really terrible one.
1: It had its moments. Yeah.
0: So actually, I think- (laughs) Hannibal Rising
1: we don't talk about.
0: I think I even saw Red Dragon before I saw-
1: Interesting. Silence
0: of the Lambs. Uh, Because I was uh, just in high school- um, Someone I was dating at the time was a big fan of the series, but specifically the other ones in the series.
1: That's kind of weird, but okay. Yeah,
0: so we watched watched those other ones, and I don't really think Silence of the Lambs was included. Maybe it was, but... So let's just say for the sake of argument that I watched everything else before, which, uh, if you're wondering... Red Dragon, great movie. Uh, really mm-hmm. good. S- Hannibal, okay movie. Hannibal Rising. Fucking terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Just so bad. Um if you want us to watch it for the Patreon, go subscribe for the Ooh, subscribe to the Patreon. That and, could be interesting. <laughs> if we get enough of you, maybe we'll do Hannibal Rising. Um And then I went through a phase in college. Yeah, I definitely watched Silence of the Lambs later because once I was in college uh, I went through a phase of watching, quote-unquote, classic movies,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and so I caught up on a bunch of stuff, like The Godfather. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, like, um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, just, like, a bunch of, like, The Shining, just classic movies that I'd just never seen before, Casablanca, um, lots of noirs, and part of this was Silence of the Lambs, because I'd always heard, oh, this movie swept the Oscars, mm-hmm. and I had seen the other ones, and I was like, I don't know, because... This Hannibal movie kind of sucked. Um, <laughs> so anyway, checked it out. Had an amazing time. It really is a crisp first watch. Oh, yeah. Um, Which leads us into the plot. Now, I want to say this, and we can decide how to navigate this. I think it's worth seeing Silence of the Lambs fresh. Agreed. So I'm wondering how much... I mean, we're going to spoil a ton in the plot. So I don't know. Do you... If you haven't seen it, go watch it. And if you have seen it, then I feel like a full plot recap is kind of pointless. Um, Yeah,
1: I think if we want to just run through the plot kind of on the quicker side, that's fine. I will say it's not really a mystery. The viewer sees who's doing everything. There's no, it's not like a procedural thing. There's no twist, really. Although there's there's one scene that has like a visual twist uh, that we can talk about. But... Uh, but yeah, I don't think that this movie would ever be ruined by knowing too much going in, but it is also like, it's just a beautifully done movie that I think is worth going in clean if you can. So yeah, yeah. it
0: did literally sweep the Oscars. It got the big five, one of three movies in history to do that. Which
1: is awesome and like yeah especially really cool
0: for a horror film which we will talk about yeah whether or not this movie is rightfully described as one um but yeah like it's a huge movie so basically from this point forward i'm going to assume that anybody listening has seen silence of the lambs or has written off they've signed the waiver <laughs> that says i did not see silence of the lambs nor am i going to yeah uh, so yeah, we can kind of give a refresher course on the plot in case it's been a little while, I guess. So, All right. Go for it, Jackie.
1: Cool. So we meet Clarice Starling, who is an FBI trainee. She's getting ready to become an agent, uh, and she's got an interest in behavioral science that we find out when she's called into a meeting with Jack Crawford, who runs the behavioral science unit. If you don't know what that is, uh, I don't know where you've been cause it's been in a lot of movies and tv shows but it's basically the unit that like profiles serial killers um mind hunter is all about its origins and it's great
0: yeah mind um, also a great wreck Mindhunter, so good. at least season one i enjoyed season two as well and
1: but season one is so good yeah um, i
0: literally there are two shows in history that i have like stayed up until 4 a.m because i could not stop watching What's the, the other one, the other one. So one was nine hundred. The other is The Wire.
1: Oh, great, yeah. Great, once I got hooked show. on The
0: Wire, I could literally could not stop and stayed up all night watching The Wire. So yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, behavioral science unit. Uh, definitely interesting stuff. Like I said, uh, I spent a lot of my career path, like kind of gunning for it. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But yeah, it's really cool. Uh, but scientific. Lots of question marks there. Um, I'm a lot more disillusioned now than I was back in the day. So uh, Crawford assigns Clarice what seems at first like a like kind of quick, weird mini assignment to go interview a serial killer in captivity just to, like, get a profile on him. Just, you know, see what he's up to. See how he's thinking. just Just talk to him. It's fine. Nothing... Weird or nefarious going on here. His name is Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal the Cannibal. Mm-hmm. Uh, a former renowned psychiatrist who really likes to get into your head. Um, so she is warned not to let him get into her head. Meanwhile, uh we find out that the FBI is hunting a serial killer called Buffalo Bill that skins women. Yeah. So totally unrelated things, clearly. Uh, so Clarice goes and she goes to, I'm going to dwell a little more on this scene because it is like so freaking good uh, and classic and influential on so many other things. Uh, she goes to the hospital for like the asylum for the criminally insane. Uh, and we meet Chilton, who's just this slimy asshole that runs the place and really enjoys having power over the, patients i guess as well as any visitors um and he hits on her and it's gross and then she goes in and she walks down the hall with all of the cells on one side and there's like the folding chair sitting in front of hannibal's cell and it's just it's such a well-done scene that i have to call it out and she interviews hannibal Lecter, played by anthony hopkins who is this was his breakout role that like made him a household name and skyrocketed him to renown and fame that he has now well deserved he did such a freaking good job as
0: i don't don't know that that's true anthony hopkins was a huge name before this movie. he
1: was in a lot of stuff but he himself says that like this interesting he, he had not reached the like level that he wanted to and was gonna give up if this movie didn't work
0: weird because i mean especially in the uk he was like
1: yeah oh he was big in the uk but not in hollywood
0: i gotcha okay that makes a lot more sense because i was thinking like the lion in winter was a huge movie and he was like but he was mostly a stage
1: person in the uk he was known mostly for his uh on stage work so he was basically going to go back to that
0: okay so it was more of a like if this doesn't work out if this flops i'm going back home to the uk
1: yeah no one no one uh thought he was a bad actor or anything. Like it was well established that he was a phenomenal actor. He just yeah. wasn't uh, famous in the States for movies. Yeah. Um, and he wanted to be, I guess. Okay, so, cool. Um,
0: I did not realize. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is like what really brought him to us, which, you know, thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and yeah, and he fucking kills it. So, and he basically wastes no time getting into Clarice's head in this scene. Um, and just kind of messing with her and reading her. It's a classic, like, Sherlock scan, but evil kind yeah. of moment. <laughs> um, and this is the plot line. her meeting with him throughout the movie is really what makes this movie great. Yeah. So that's why I want to dwell on it, even though it's not technically a huge part of the plot. Um, because it's just character stuff, but it's so good. Um, so she talks to him. He's creepy but gives her some clues to something he doesn't even specify what he's just like go check this out and uh she figures out it's code for a storage unit that he has um so she like reports back and she goes and checks this out and she finds a severed head in a storage unit Mm -hmm. and uh comes back and is like what's that about (laughs) And finds out that he's giving her clues to this other serial killer that the FBI is hunting. And that the FBI was hoping he would, uh, but didn't want her to go in with an agenda because Hannibal would pick up on this and uh, they would, and he would clam up. So the rest of the movie is kind of alternating between these creepy psychological uh, mind game scenes with Hannibal and Clarice and the hunt for Buffalo Bill which has a lot more kind of bleak stark forensic scenes we see them look at a new body that's been found they find a a bug cocoon in the body's throat she has to go track down some entomologists to help her identify it I love them
0: delightful yeah
1: yeah they're just the biggest nerds autistics in a basement playing bug <laughs> checkers it's great they're they're awesome um and they identify the bug as uh styx, sticks the death's head moth uh so if you've seen posters for this movie that then you've seen the moth yeah um and basically we start getting bits and pieces of a profile from hannibal of this serial killer meanwhile we also see the serial killer kidnap a woman named Catherine martin And keep her in a well, uh. And that's if you've heard the it rubs the lotion on its (laughs) skin, or else it gets the hose again. That's from this movie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it basically comes together as we learned that Buffalo Bill, uh, is making a woman suit out of women's skin as kind of like an at-home DIY sex change kind of thing. Yeah. Um which much like our conversation about psycho and having like the the killer be kind of gender confused as like the big twist. Um this movie has also done a lot of damage to the trans community and uh queer people generally because yeah. a lot of people kind of associate transness with like danger and the i don't i don't feel qualified to say whether like that's because the movie itself has transphobia underlying everything like it kind of because there are lines about like this he is not actually like a trans woman he there's it's weird, but yeah, so I don't want to go too into it, but I do want to address the fact that there's there's some problematic stuff going on here.
0: Yeah, it gets really murky because uh, on the one hand, Clarice says, and all the language is super outdated. Yes, yes um, it is. But she says some lines about how like, oh, well, trans people are usually very docile. So this is an, an anti-pattern for what we know about. And they they include some language around like, some supportive language around like, there's only these specific medical centers that specialize in sex reassignment surgery. So like we'll contact them. And yeah. it's, it's very clinical in a lot of ways, but then also regrettably. Yeah. Buffalo Bill is this like gender confused individual and it gets. Yeah.
1: So I do want to like address that. Um I don't think that uh, the movie was like trying to say don't trust trans people but yeah. i do think that is some of the effect that it had and that sucks. Yep. So, but uh at the same time, Buffalo Bill the uh Ted Levine did a fantastic job of playing Buffalo Bill. Ted
0: Levine is the captain from Monk. Yes, if you weren't aware. So, he's got a very unique voice. Yes, it's very
1: um, distinctive. If you close your eyes and watch either of these, then you you like that's him you know that yeah. voice as soon as you hear it um so it's very jarring because we have watched monk recently so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hearing the captain from monk telling someone to rub the lotion on her it skin. rubs
0: the lotion on its skin monk
1: <laughs> it's very weird so um but yeah he, he does a great job so um but yeah, so we, we kind of have this come together and uh, have Clarice on his trail, on Buffalo Bill's trail, and then uh, there's a great fake out that I made reference to where we think that Crawford and like a SWAT team and the FBI are about to break down the killer's door and you're they're alternating between shots of the inside of Buffalo Bill hearing the doorbell ring and the girl in the well screaming and then the outside of the fbi ringing the bell and then the door opens and clarice is standing there
0: clarice in belvedere ohio because she
1: thinks she's tracking down a woman that knew the first victim
0: yeah
1: uh but it turns out that the killer actually took over this woman's house and she's
0: in a bathtub decomposing yep so
1: uh we get this great sequence where Clarice is, she figures it out fairly quickly because she sees a moth flying around.
0: She sees a moth, and to be fair, he's acting extremely suspicious. Yes. For some random guy. He keeps asking questions like, so has the FBI figured anything out yet? Do they have
1: any evidence? Do Do they they have any fingerprints? Do they have a
0: sketch? Yeah. And she's like, huh, weird.
1: Weird thing to ask. (laughs) Yeah. Um guy who fits the physical description that we have of the killer.
0: Thank you, Hannibal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. Who, by the way, I don't know if I made this clear, personally knew the killer. Like, Hannibal yeah. didn't figure all of this out for Sherlock reasons. He, like, actually met him <laughs> through yeah. a patient. Like, it was, uh, he just happens to have personal knowledge of who the killer is and why and all of that. Like, he figured out that the killer they were looking for was this person that he knew but it was also like um i don't want to completely credit hannibal Lecter's near psychic uh deduction powers yeah um of like telling them exactly what this killer looks like and his motives and everything um it he actually just like personally knew yeah <laughs> them makes it so, easy yeah Um, gives him a bit of an advantage. So, so yeah, so she has her gun out, is in this creepy basement, finds Catherine Martin in the well, uh, who is like freaking out completely understandably. And, uh, the lights go out and Buffalo Bill is hunting Clarice with night vision goggles and we get some bits from Behind the goggles, which is some really cool shots of Clarice just looking panicked in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, because Buffalo Bill is about to shoot her, she hears the gun cock, turns around and shoots a bunch of times and manages to shoot a window so the light is back. Um, so we see her surviving and freaking out. Um, and the killer bleeding out on the ground and then, It pretty much just wraps up from there. Uh, But meanwhile, because I don't remember exactly when along that plot line this happened, uh, we also have Hannibal Lecter escape in a delightfully gory fashion. Uh, He manages to overcome a couple of guards and...
0: Literally wears one of their faces.
1: Yes. Cuts off one of their faces, puts it on himself, Lies there in their clothes, pretends to be the guard in desperate need of a hospital. So they rush him to the hospital. And while he's in the ambulance, he's just like,
0: oops, oops, psych. all Hannibal. Oops, all Hannibal. <laughs>
1: oops all Hannibal um, and kills some more people on the way out. Uh, so at the very end of the movie, Clarice graduates, becomes a full FBI agent, and then gets a phone call from Hannibal Lecter, who... Can't talk long because he's, quote, having an old friend for dinner. And then we see Chilton get off a plane <laughs> and yeah. be like, I must be safe here. <laughs> and yeah. then Hannibal follows him off. It's great.
0: Yeah. It's like in the credits, it's revealed it's the Bahamas, but yeah. you kind of just take that it that it's some like Caribbean country with no extradition yeah. that Chilton has like fled to.
1: Yeah.
0: And because uh, yeah. he knows
1: that he was not kind to Hannibal Lecter and Hannibal Lecter likes to eat rude people. Mm-hmm. This that's more fleshed out in other uh adaptations than it is in this movie, but yeah, it's like if you're rude to Hannibal,
0: you're fucked. You're fucked. He's going to eat you. It
1: might take him some time, but he'll get around to
0: it. He's going to eat your liver with some nice with some fava beans and a nice chianti.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that's silence of the lambs in a bit of a nutshell I uh, love this movie so much yeah
0: what'd you think of it
1: i love it. are you looking for a one word review yeah give it me is, a one word it is so hard to put this into one word oh i
0: got it locked um, and loaded
1: so i'm gonna go with this one kind of has a double meaning because i mean it toward myself and the world in general influential
0: mm. i'm gonna go with, this movie is tasty
1: I was considering Delicious.
0: Okay, yeah, actually I like Delicious more. This movie is delicious.
1: Oh, I thought about it, but...
0: Yeah, Influential is more accurate. Um,
1: (laughs) I think between the two of us, we've covered it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because to be blunt, this movie's fantastic. It's so
1: good. It it deserved the big five Oscars. So those are Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Director, Best Leading actor for Anthony Hopkins and best leading actress for Jodie Foster.
0: Yeah. Which is just crazy because, like, Anthony Hopkins is in this movie for what, 20 minutes?
1: Something like that. Out yeah. of a
0: two hour runtime. So. I
1: think it is the, the lowest percentage of screen time in best actor history. Yeah. Uh, so, or at least it was at the time. So, yeah, it's. It is odd to categorize him as lead actor, honestly, because...
0: I guess there's no competition. Yeah. Like Chilton. uh, (laughs) Crawford. Crawford. Buffalo Bill. But yeah, they all have less screen time even than... um, Yeah. Maybe Buffalo Bill has equivalent screen time. Yeah, maybe. Maybe to Anthony Hopkins. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a lot of competition he is. And he's also the other build actor.
1: Yeah. And this... I mean, this is clarice's movie yeah which was pretty radical in 91 in itself so um also i read that she was a huge influence for dana scully which i can totally see and i love
0: yeah that's really cool because essentially they are the same character which i thought about while we were watching this (laughs) yeah like dana scully has a different backstory Mm -hmm. uh that's not as grimdark as Clarice is like her parents both died when she was young. Yeah. And she was raised in an orphanage and like being in the FBI is like making something of herself. Yeah. No, 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 no. Dana Scully had a had a pretty normal one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <laughs> joined the FBI. But yeah, like in the way they act and the way that they're sort of portrayed, uh, other than Dana Scully being a doctor... um.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're in such different circumstances, so, because yeah. Clarice doesn't really have an opportunity for skepticism to be a big part of her character. Um, yeah,
0: that's true. But. Yeah, there's no supernatural goings-on in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So it's all pretty cut and dry. Anyway, um, yeah, well, shit, what do we usually talk about? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this movie's just so good.
1: Well. We can run through the stuff that we kind of need to cover just for the usual. Did we see boobs?
0: We did not see boobs. Well, we saw a skin suit. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it think. Kinda? I, don't I think. guess that counts, but uh, it ain't great.
1: Yeah. Um, we got some corpse nudity, but that's kind of it. Like
0: It's yeah. mostly
1: not. Uh, it's
0: not. It's not that kind of movie.
1: No, it's not.
0: Uh, even for artistic effect, there's just no nudity really other than maybe, um, Jane Gum. Yes. Buffalo Bill, uh, doing the famous Tuck scene. Yes. Um.
1: That's really the only nudity we get.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, not that kind of movie. Favorite Kill is a little hard as well because there's not too many of them. I think I do have one, though.
1: Okay, what is it?
0: It's Chilton.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Because we don't see it, but it is heavily implied that Chilton's about to get murdered and eaten.
1: And we hate him so much. And we hate
0: him so much. God, is he a miserable piece of shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, God, hate him. Uh, Yeah, I can't argue with Chilton as the best kill. I, I would also say that it is really fun watching... Uh, Hannibal kill the two guards um, not so much because of like how he kills them but because of the bit, well I guess it's after he kills one of them before he kills the other uh, because there's a moment where he just takes a break to listen to some classical music and wave his hand gently back and forth while he's got blood all over his face. Yeah. Uh, from biting someone's face off.
0: He literally bites a dude's face off and then maces him in the face while the other guy's uh, handcuffed to the cage he was in, mm-hmm. beats the other guy to death, and then, as I pointed out, just vibes for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, Goldberg
1: like, variations, I believe. The is Goldberg the music.
0: variations, yeah. It's just hanging out vibing uh, vibing vibin hard and then yeah. he goes and it, it's kind of amazing because he um, not only does he feel off the guy's face James Pembry's face
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and then wear it but he takes the other guy and this is my design he chains mm-hmm. him to the cage hoists him puts streamers around him <laughs> yeah, and eviscerates him <laughs> How long
1: did that did he where did he find a ladder? Like I
0: don't know. It's so Hannibal though that he's <laughs> it's like very Hannibal. Cause the thing about Hannibal is that he is always portrayed as this like mercurial European, like indistinctly European dude.
1: Extremely sophisticated, Extremely super sophisticated. genius.
0: Yeah, really smart. So when you see him be ultra violent, it's really jarring. Yeah. Um and i'm gonna talk about the hannibal tv series quite a bit um but in the tv series they really withhold the ultra violence we don't Mm. get a lot of it and when you do it's incredibly jarring yeah because the rest of the time he's like arranging dead bodies in really artistic ways like he puts a guy in a tree Mm -hmm. uh in one episode in a really beautiful tree um you know, or it's like these food porn segments where he's cooking human The food meat. porn is great. Yeah. yeah, and it looks like a, like, Bon Appetit video. Um, <laughs> so I think this movie, in the same vein, does a really phenomenal job of, like, when Hannibal pops off, it's like, it's crazy. Because Anthony Hopkins really sells it. Like, you're mm-hmm. seeing a totally different side to this character that you knew was there.
1: Yeah. And it's not that... You let your guard down, cause when he is being sophisticated and chill, he's still creepy as fuck. Oh like, yeah. You're on your guard every minute that he's talking to Clarice. You're and he's not blinking much, and yeah. he's just very unsettling, and his delivery is fantastic. Like, it's really good. And he's clearly like he's always in control and it's he's Crawford said it best. You don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head.
0: No. I mean, he must have been, and I mentioned this when we watched it, must have been one hell of a psychiatrist. Yeah. Because his motives aren't good. No. But he knows exactly, because sometimes he'll say really crass things, Mm -hmm. but it is intentionally to provoke a response and to see how you respond to things. Yes. So with Clarice, he will occasionally say really blue things. Uh, or mock her, like, in her own accent, because she's got a Southern accent. Which was
1: ad-libbed, apparently. Really? So Jodie Foster actually had the reaction that was on Clarice's face in that moment. Holy shit, she- Anthony
0: Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. God, he's a good actor, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and
1: apparently she was really upset about it, but then thanked him later, because it, she was like, oh, that got a great react." All this from IMDb Trivia, so grain, grain of salt. Grain of salt. But, um... But yeah, I buy it. Oh. Yeah. And I've heard that from multiple sources in the past.
0: So. I'd believe it, yeah. Because Anthony Hopkins is not, I don't think he's a method actor, um, but he is really well known for, like, truly embodying a role and going deep on it. Yeah. Uh, which probably is a lot of that stage influence that, like, um, he he really puts in the work. And, yeah. like, comes up with the, I forget what it's called, but the, like, physicality. Mm-hmm. Anyway, excuse me. Because
1: um, even like the way Hannibal stands, when we first see him in the cell in that scene when Clarice walks down the hall and it the camera comes around and he comes into view, he is standing perfectly straight, perfectly still in the middle of the room, just like a doll or something like yeah. he doesn't look human in that moment. And it's very unsettling because it's just, okay, clearly he he knows she's coming. Yeah. It's not like this is a twist. But, like, he's waiting for her and is just, like, he just doesn't seem fully human. Yeah. And that's, that's something that, like, the way he stands, the way he talks, the way he looks, the way he doesn't blink very much. And when he does it's very deliberate um and on purpose (laughs) unlike most people blinking yeah but it's it's very much the full body thing like you were saying yeah
0: yeah he's he's fully in it which i've talked about this on the podcast before uh a little bit more jokey when sam's around but to be serious for a second i love an actor who really you can tell like sells it that Mm -hmm. has it with a capital i like has the it factor oh yeah jodie foster has it in spades in this movie Mm -hmm. uh as does anthony hopkins like real tour de force acting stuff um but you knew that it won the oscars yes so
1: (laughs) rightfully so
0: no surprise um Sometimes the Oscars miss, man, but uh, sometimes they get it right. Yep. They miss a lot. Uh, like La La Land? Are you fucking kidding me? Who remembers that movie? I um, didn't see it. Exactly. So I can't really judge. <laughs> but um, anyway, I, I do want to bring up one thing. What's that? Which is that this is referenced in Scream, and we all know Scream is the ultimate arbiter of whether or not a movie is a horror movie. Yes. But let's dissect this. Yes. Because... The more I think about Hannibal, mm-hmm. the more I am convinced this is a horror movie, but I'm really curious what your take is on this.
1: Yeah, oh, I'd love to talk about this. Uh I think it is a horror movie. I think I've heard a lot of people say that it's not uh because it's a thriller, which first of all, something also being another genre does not rule out it being a horror movie as well. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: Um I also think a lot of people, this goes back to our repeated conversations about like elevated horror uh, and the fact that people keep saying like the Oscars never go to horror movies. And then if you say, what about Silence of the Lambs? They're like, that's not really a horror movie. And I have to wonder if they're just not counting it because it would destroy their argument. Yeah. Um. But I personally, I do think it's a horror movie. I think that it has the elements of a psychological horror movie largely because of the Hannibal Lecter side of things but yes. also because of like the depth of gore we get and we get a lot of this isn't a mystery movie no a, a classic like if you if you want to say a serial killer movie that where the protagonist is investigating the serial killer as like a cop or something it's more of a mystery or a thriller uh this is not This is, Clarice is vulnerable to both the killers, the main killers in the movie. Um, And we also get to like call back to things like Scream and Psycho and Slasher movies. We get some of Buffalo Bill's point of view, like physical perspective during the scene toward the end, which is a classic Slasher move. Mm -hmm. It, It has a lot of horror elements and i think that is plenty to make it a horror movie but yeah what do you think
0: i do think i I think this is a slasher movie and i want to get into that but okay i want to contrast it really quick with a thriller genre that i am incredibly well acquainted with which is scandinavian noir Ooh, okay because i have read every single scandinavian noir book you can name james nesbo uh the whole the whole rut of everything so we're talking snowman we're talking girl with dragon tattoo okay cool. um that that genre which is held up as like for a while there that was like the thriller definition um yeah f- yeah it really just sort of consumed the marketplace uh for a long time anyway um If you're, if you're, I cannot remember the author's name to save my life. So I'm sorry, but if you're looking for my favorite, it is actually I'm Traveling Alone. Look that one up. It's so good.
1: Never heard of that one. Anyway.
0: um, Yeah, super good book. Um, I don't think it's been adapted either. So I think you have to read it. Oh, woe is you. (laughs) You have to read a book. Um, the, The reason I'm contrasting it is that those are thrillers through and through. They aren't really horror Although you can maybe make the argument, but, like, let's take Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which is, a you know, a, an IP that most people are familiar with. Yeah. That really enjoy a thriller. Fantastic adaptation with Daniel Craig mm-hmm. and uh, Mara Rooney. That's her name, right? No. Rooney,
1: Maro played Rooney Mara played her in the...
0: Uh, in the OG? In
1: the OG one. It was... Shit, Wait, no. what's her name? Did she? Oh, no. It was Rooney Mara in the American one. It was... Oh my God. I'm sorry. I am.
0: It... <laughs> yeah. Names are hard. We Names watch are a lot hard. of movies. We over do. Here. <laughs>
1: um, I was just thinking about this like the other day too, and it's left my brain. So yeah, sorry. Uh, I think Rooney Mara is the one in the US adaptation. Yeah. yeah.
0: Anyway, uh, the US slash UK. Adaptation of the movie, the, the English market yeah, version.
1: English speaking.
0: Um,
1: English language one.
0: Fantastic movie. Probably one of the best thrillers ever made. And if you haven't seen it, go in fresh without any spoilers because the twist is incredible. It
1: is very dark.
0: Oh, it's so dark. So, Definitely content brace yourself <laughs> for everything. Yeah. Um, But this movie doesn't share the same DNA, I would say. Um, because because one we know exactly who the killer is the whole time Mm -hmm. and at least comparing to scandinavian noir there's a huge it's noir there's a huge element of mystery to it Mm -hmm. where you're always trying to discern from a a list of characters who the killer is it's always somebody within the fiction within the fiction of the world like you know who the person is you encounter them at some point we do in the elizabeth sander books especially girl with dragon tattoo. Um, and it's the rising tension of getting closer and closer to the killer that makes it thrilling, makes it a thriller.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This movie is a slasher movie. Okay. Because we know exactly who the killers are, like you were saying. Anthony Hopkins plays the perfect slasher villain, in my opinion. Okay. Because he's always an imminent threat. That's a slasher movie. Mm-hmm his motives are unique in slasher i think because they are so mercurial like um i forget i think it's clarice at one point someone says like something you know what about what's up with him and she's like oh we don't have a word for what he oh it's is. the guy
1: is is it true he's a vampire oh they yeah they don't the have local a name for
0: what <laughs> the memphis cop yeah is he a vampire We don't have a word for what he is. uh, Which makes him possibly the greatest slasher villain ever because, as shown in the movie, he has a ridiculous capacity for violence. Yeah. Um, But when he chooses to apply it is really selective. Uh, Like they mentioned that he brutalized a nurse Mm -hmm. in his stint in the hospital. And swallowed her tongue. And swallowed her tongue. So we know he's capable of crazy shit. Yeah. and you spend the, most of the movie in suspense waiting not for, like, a big mystery reveal, but for uh, him to go off, which I'd say is pretty classic slasher. Like
1: I could see that. It's interesting because, like, I, for me personally, the things about Hannibal that are creepy, because I'm not really creeped out by Hannibal now because I have spent way too much time with him between the books, the movies and the TV show. Like, I it's just. He's kind of a friend at this point, (laughs) let's be honest. But when I first saw Silence of the Lambs, I was creeped out. Um, And the thing about Hannibal that I found creepy was not the murder. Mm. It was the psychological tension part. So I would consider this a psychological horror movie where the threat is a lot more amorphous and a lot more hard to pin down and that's where the creep comes from because sure. you don't know what's gonna happen it's not about this thing is going to happen he's going to kill people it's more like i don't know what the threat is and that's why it's scary true
0: um i can buy that i can see that being the a first watch response to Silence yeah. of the lambs and seeing it like again and again because this is not my first rodeo with right this movie. <laughs> um, it does
1: it does become harder to remember that first experience every time you watch. so
0: Yeah, I think maybe it becomes more of a slasher movie once you've seen it like five, six times. I don't know what I'm up to at this point, but it's a lot.
1: Well, part of why I find it really interesting that that's your take on it, because I could absolutely see it, uh, is just that I think it's... I don't know of any other examples of a horror movie that I would consider to be both a psychological horror and a slasher. I feel like those are usually pretty far apart in the horror for world. For sure.
0: What's a good psych so. horror movie to give oh, people God. as a reference?
1: Um, One that a lot of people name is like Shutter Island.
0: Shutter Island makes some sense.
1: Um, I'm Which I to...
0: think got labeled as a thriller when it came out.
1: Probably, yeah. Because again, people like to pretend things aren't horror, uh, yeah. even when they clearly are.
0: But that movie for sure has a lot of what you're talking about. Like you aren't super sure what the threat is. Yeah. And so you're just kind of like stuck in limbo the whole movie and creepy shit happens like there's the implied hint of like supernatural stuff in Shutter Island. Yeah. But largely it's just like amorphous threats and you know something is going to happen to our good boy Leo DiCaprio.
1: Yep. And okay, so here's another uh not a specific example, although a recent adaptation is actually a great example would be pretty much anything poe
0: mm, yeah so yeah okay
1: so the threat is specifically with like the psyche so there is some kind of danger to the protagonist's psyche or the reader or viewer's psyche yeah so yeah listeners uh go watch follow the house of usher it's so
0: good yeah we are full of the last couple episodes um, and i'm loving it
1: yeah but yeah so like Edgar Allan Poe was very into like the psychological horror kind of vibe. So pretty much anything by yeah. him would be a good reference point. It's sort of hard to define psychological horror and yeah. it tends to overlap with thriller or gothic horror or whatever else, um, which is why because it, it's indefinability is almost part of it.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like, yeah, the, the amorphousness of the threat is a huge component. I also want to point at some things really quickly, which is that one, everybody agrees that Edgar Allan Poe was the grandfather of horror. One Um, of them.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
0: for sure. Like he's in the pantheon of like early horror writers. 100%. Uh, And I don't know anybody who would disagree with that. Yeah. Um, And two, I'd also put like you said, gothic horror in the same bucket, Mm -hmm. like Bronte uh would be an interesting one to throw out there mm. or shelly um, shelly hell yeah yeah so like some
1: stoker in there some
0: stoker and that was all like you said a lot more about the amorphous threat and a lot less about our like modern conception of horror as like jump scares or gore yeah or like goofy doofy b movie plots i mean
1: last week we talked frankenstein and The threat of Frankenstein, particularly in the book, is not really, like, slashery murder threat. It's, like, there's guilt wrapped up in... Because Frankenstein created something and then immediately abandoned it. So there's, like, a self-blame component to the threat of the creature in Frankenstein that, like, is pretty key to why it's scary. It's not just... It's made of corpses that makes the creature scary. It's that like it's our own sins coming back to us and all of these other like aspects. I don't know. It's yeah. so it's there's like and that's a pretty common theme in gothic horror, I feel, where it's there's a lot of kind of ourselves are the threat. Yeah. Um so which is not so much a thing that's coming up in Silence of the Lambs, I would argue, but like yeah um definitely is in like poe and
0: yeah uh, or the modern in the modern oeuvre mm-hmm.
1: uh
0: i would highlight mike flanagan yeah as a guy who treads in psychological horror a lot like follow the house of usher for sure but uh, kind of everything else he's done as well like he did uh
1: midnight mass is like
0: midnight mass for sure
1: so, oh god i love that
0: show and, and then, then, all good um <laughs> I always get them mixed up. Bly Manor? It's not Bly Manor.
1: Haunting of Hill House? Haunting of Hill House. He also did Bly Manor. Oh, okay. But we so haven't watched
0: this. Yeah, Haunting of Hill House. My, my one complaint with it was, needs more ghosts. So <laughs> <laughs> almost to a fault, I would argue. He treads in that psych horror kind of space where, like...
1: It definitely has ghosts. If oh, it If you watch off. it, there are ghosts. There are and jump scares are and ghosts.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the Hat Man... That falls around one of the Uh kids from Haunting of Hill House is like not so much a jump scare ghost as he is like a constant amorphous presence. And
1: he's not stabbing you. He's not a slasher. No, he's not a slasher. The threat is not death. You don't know what the threat is. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I'd really highlight Mike Flanagan. All of those properties are fantastic. Even though Haunting of Hill House didn't scratch my particular itch, <laughs> I will concede that it is a phenomenal show. Yeah. Uh it's just more like interpersonal dynamics and that kind of it's threat very, we're talking about.
1: The the Gothic horror is strong with that one. And yeah, for I, sure. I love Gothic horror. There's a beauty to it that I'm really attached to, so uh, yeah, I I will follow pretty much anything Mike Flanagan touches, probably. Yeah, but um, follow the House of Usher is my favorite. Yeah, it's, it's follow the
0: House of Usher is really good. So good. It just came out. It's on Netflix. Go check it out. Uh, speaking of other wrecks, we have to do this. We have about eight minutes left. I want to spend the rest of the, the time we have contrasting this to the Hannibal TV show. Because yes, folks, it has to happen. It does because you and I both are. Big ol' fans. It's so of the good. Hannibal TV series.
1: Yeah, and um, I don't, I don't want this to be a who did it better thing because no, they no, are no. good in different ways. Yeah, and... I want to
0: contrast them in a like, because I think to me the Hannibal TV series. What was the original network for? NBC. NBC. It's crazy that NBC made it this is. show. <laughs> it really is. Uh, because it's graphic. Like, yeah. And the subject matter's pretty dark most of the time. Pretty dark. <laughs> pretty dark. <laughs> the subject matters I mean, Eddie, uh Susie Eddie Izzard gets uh her body parts fed to her
1: mm-hmm.
0: piece by piece. Which is a one classic point.
1: Hannibal Lecter move. I mean, yeah, that's, you, you that's gotta just
0: um classic. So pretty banana stuff. Um that is actually kind of one of the my least favorite parts of the show so if you heard that part and were like good don't take that with a grain of salt that is like
1: yeah there is gore if you can't handle gore beware but uh it is usually very stylized gore yeah and
0: again like the when hannibal cooks something in the tv show It looks Um, delicious. It looks delicious. And it looks like a, like a chef's table. Yeah. Like a Netflix food show. There
1: was someone whose entire job was just food design on that show. And they did an incredible job. And there is a cookbook published, uh, for like the (laughs) non human meat versions of the foods, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's, it's the food looks delicious and very, very fancy. Um, and watching Hannibal cook is always fun.
0: Yeah. Like sometimes they'll do it for no reason. It'll be like the beginning of the show. Yeah. Like before the credits roll. And we just get like a five minute sequence. Maybe that's a little long. Like we get a sequence of Hannibal, Mads Mickelson just cooking something. And yep. you're like, again, kind of that existential dread. Because mm-hmm. it's not like anything. The damage has been done. Yeah. But you're watching him prepare lungs and you're like, "Pretty sure those aren't pig lungs." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Oh god, Hannibal's so good. I I feel like Hannibal's a really good example of psychological horror in the like direct your psychologist is trying to make you worse, not better. Yes. And that's the threat and that's terrifying on a way that in a way that like is not usually something that we come across in horror movies it's just a very realistic fear of someone that we are trusting with our own vulnerability yeah uh having very dark motives yeah um and that's a huge part of the Hannibal tv show which is kind of different from Silence of the Lambs because Clarice knows exactly who and what Hannibal is so is not but she's still being vulnerable because she has to be to get his help.
0: Yeah, like literally their bartering system is that she has to give him personal details about herself.
1: Quid pro quo, Clarice. Quid
0: pro quo, Clarice. That's a bit of a tongue twister when a you put bit, it together. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I will say this about the TV show. One, it's gorgeous.
1: It is so pretty. Two, it is,
0: beautiful. It is so well written. Uh, mm-hmm. This is my design. And, um... If you want if you want a true cause don't watch the other Hannibal movies. Unless you're just looking for like sort of like a, a date night, like let's watch kind of a bad movie. Red Dragon Re- sorry, is solid. With stuff. the exception of Red Dragon. Red yeah. Dragon is fantastic. Um
1: Hannibal and Hannibal Rising, less so Hannibal has stuff that I really quite like. It's there's a Gary Oldman is in it and mm-hmm. Gary Oldman is having fun in it and that's very well worth watching. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's just,
0: if you're going to, if you're going to watch three Hannibal properties, I would say in order it, for me anyway, it probably goes silence of the lambs. I don't know about number one, actually, because it's, it's, tough. it's really tough. And like you said, I don't want to compare. I don't want to say one is better than the other, but maybe the TV show, maybe silence of the lambs. One of those are in one the first slot one of them's in the second yep and then red dragon red dragon's great yeah but uh the other two are masterpieces um yes but one of the things it's going to say about the show is if you've seen silence of the lambs and you think huh i want more of that um the hannibal tv show i think is the true spiritual successor because you can kind of see the through line yeah from mads mickelson's excellent portrayal of hannibal through because it's like you said, by the time we get to Clarice, Hannibal has nothing to hide. Yeah. Uh so we get a different flavor of him, which is like more direct, sometimes really crass, probing, mm-hmm. uh, fully in control of the scenario.
1: Using the fact that people are already afraid of him yes. to get into their head. To
0: his advantage, yeah. yeah. Um uh, whereas Mads Mikkelsen's Hannibal is still sort of in hiding. Yeah. Um with certain people i mean there there are like what's her name abby uh the girl abigail yeah abigail Abigail hobbs abigail hobbs he's a little more you i don't know she's his relationship with this character is a good example of what i'm saying because like when the when the wheels come off and someone kind of catches hannibal being hannibal like his true self he becomes
1: terrifying
0: he becomes terrifying in the same way that anthony hopkins is in this movie um so i just really see a lot of the same they're they're very different portrayals in a lot of ways but also at the same time you can kind of see a through line where it's like they they aren't disconnected
1: Mm -hmm. uh
0: in the same way that like uh hannibal rising as an example is utterly different yeah to hannibal that we see in *Science of the lambs or in the tv show Mm -hmm. just a dreadful movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) it feels like a cash grab yeah Um, yeah, i think
0: it was yeah Yeah.
1: but yeah um i think i i feel like it's worth talking about some of the differences because i definitely think there is a through line but uh one difference and i think this I'm going to give you the literal version, and I think it goes beyond this, is in color. Mm. Silence of the Lambs is very drained of color. Yeah. And that's clearly a deliberate choice. Like Clarice lives in a world where things are pretty bleak and she's dealing with some pretty just disturbing things that aren't from her and the whole movie is very from her perspective we get yeah. a lot of eye contact with other characters from the camera it's it's great but um she doesn't see this stuff as like rich and beautiful and fulfilling the Hannibal TV show kind of does yeah. And Absolutely, it shows that in a lot of really intense color saturation and yeah. some really cool music choices. Um, and it gets more and more so as Will Graham, who's largely the perspective we get in the TV series, uh, gets deeper and deeper in with the mind games that Hannibal is playing with him. Yeah. So, uh, not to go too into, like, like the specific mental health journey he's going on, because that's kind of parallel with this. But he, as he gets deeper into things, into the this weird world, uh, the show gets prettier about the gore, about the murder, the violence, all of this just, it's very rich. Yeah. And it's very, like, delicious in a, like both a food sense Mm -hmm. and in just like how many like sensory things are going on with the show. Whereas Silence of the Lambs, I think is delicious. Uh, If, if you like this kind of thing, there's a lot there, but it's, It's not doing that for you. Yeah. In the same way, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I would argue, too, that a a contrast between them is because of that backbone that the TV show has. Like you're saying of, like, highly saturated colors, beautiful interiors. Mm -hmm. Like Hannibal's house is gorgeous. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like TikTok bait.
1: I want his office. I want his suits. I just, yeah.
0: Like he's always, because, you know, in Silence of the Lambs, obviously we just see uh anthony hopkins dressed in sort of whatever's around like be it a prison jumpsuit yep or like a
1: straight jacket <laughs> a straight
0: jacket or a tacky tourist outfit at the end yep uh whereas mads mickelson is immaculate like he looks like a gq model
1: yeah in like plaid suits in jewel tones yeah <laughs> and
0: yeah so we see a lot more like flavor kind mm-hmm. of across the board which um They both share this aspect, which is that, like I was saying earlier, when Hannibal pops off and gets ultra violent,
1: Mm -hmm. it's
0: really jarring because it contrasts so heavily with his, like, refined nature. The TV show, I think, does it uh, not better, but does it to greater effect. Mm -hmm. Because like, I'm thinking of, there's a specific scene where uh, Jack Crawford, spoilers, I mean, you knew this was going to happen, figures out who Hannibal is Mm -hmm. and goes to confront him. And they have a brutal fight.
1: It is so nasty. It's It's, great. It's a really well choreographed, beautifully staged fight. It's
0: amazing. But you see Hannibal, Hannibal in both media portrayals, but especially in the TV show, you get a hint of like, has no compunctions about murdering people. Yeah. <laughs> which you knew, but when it's someone in the show that is like a permanent character like Jack Crawford and you see the switch flip in Hannibal's head from like, you were an interesting case study. To I'm going to murder you now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It has like this intense effect. Yes. Uh. Yeah. That fight scene in particular was so worth the payoff. Yeah. Um. Also talking about Daniel Skull, Jillian Anderson is in oh, the third yes. season, so
1: she's in. Uh, oh, she's in, she's the, second in the whole one. series.
0: Oh, yeah. That's she's true.
1: Hannibal's therapist.
0: Yeah, which is a fun role.
1: It's a great <laughs> role.
0: Yeah, she's in this one, too, uh, which is just phenomenal. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that's probably our allotted time for talking about the Hannibal TV series. Oh,
1: I would love to talk more about Crawford real quick. Just okay, very uh, minor thing. Just the, the portrayal of Jack Crawford um, is... There's a lot less of him in the movie, obviously, than the TV show. Uh, but... They both play a character that is kind of willing to do whatever it takes to catch the killers. Yeah. And is willing to use the main protagonist however he needs to. And they both, they kind of approach it from different acting techniques. Yeah. Um But like, so I just... I don't have really a conclusion for this. I just find it really interesting to watch, to go back and watch *Sounds of the Lambs* and mentally compare it to Lawrence Fishburne's version of the character, uh, because I think Scott Glenn's is um, more direct, but also like less of a threat in yeah. that taking advantage role i don't know it's interesting so yeah just wanted th- to point that out
0: i think to harp on it a little bit more jack crawford in both is a really good think piece for the differences between these two properties mm-hmm. uh because more so than like clarice we don't get enough of her mental health journey to really compare her to will graham yeah because
1: she's a different character
0: yeah like hannibal's whole deal with will is like kind of trying to convince him to be a serial killer uh, in the tv show in yeah tv show <laughs> so there's that um and we don't really see that with clarice although we might have if they'd spent more time together um you never know but with jack crawford yeah in the movie silence of the lambs you're getting a like kind of mind hunter version of jack crawford yeah uh where you were saying that uh you know he studied he worked with the mind hunter guy
1: yeah, he worked with John Douglas, who is like uh, the grandfather of FBI profiling. Uh, yeah. If you're in that world at all, like, you know that name.
0: Yeah, he worked with him to work, iron out the character, whereas I get the sense that Lawrence Fishburne, uh, who uh, does a phenomenal job, yes, uh, kind of does his own thing with it uh and leans harder into like you said the manipulation of assets in order to close cases like
1: it's more clear that's what he's doing
0: yeah uh and the characters are aware of it as well and like Mm -hmm. call him on it but still acquiesce to stuff and uh it's really cool anyway all that to say silence of the lambs great movie yes uh thank you scream for referencing it so we got to actually watch it Hell yeah Uh, definitely a horror movie uh So, check that out. Uh, And the TV show is also phenomenal. Sorry, we spent so long talking about it. (laughs) Also, not that sorry, because more people should watch it. Because it's it's truly miraculous that it got made. Yes. Um,
1: And for three seasons. (laughs) I thought maybe we'd get one and then they'd cancel it. And then it kept getting renewed. People complained after it got canceled after third season. I was like, y'all are not surprised enough we got third season (laughs) yeah
0: truly insane that nbc made this show Mm -hmm. uh where again a guy gets like made into a tree post-mortem um and it's beautiful and you love it (laughs) um anyway that's all for us this week folks thank you so much for listening again the podcast has really been popping off lately and i just can't thank you enough for being here and for listening, uh, if you want to follow us and get some updates, we're on all the socials. You can just Google us. Sam knows the details of those, but we're either like Hanksy Panksy or Hanksy Panksy Pod on most of them. We aren't on Twitter because, uh, Elon Musk actually doesn't, he, he thinks he took all the wrong messages from the Hannibal media and thinks that, uh, he's a role model. Mm.
1: um he relates to chilton
0: he relates to chilton the most yeah there we go uh so we aren't on twitter uh but we're on everything else including blue sky if you want a similar experience you can also find us on patreon at patreon.com slash hanksypanksy you throw us like i've been saying it's like a third of a latte it's like half a latte throw us half a latte (laughs) And you can get access to a huge trove of uh, me and Sam content as well as some other fun stuff like Sam and his wife watched the entirety of Sex in the City. <laughs> we're talking the TV show. We're talking the movies. We're talking the reboot. And just like that, all two seasons. Yes. Um, so <laughs> if you want that, it's truly phenomenal. Go check that out uh, on Patreon.com slash HanksyPanksy. If you give us enough money, you can be one of Hanks' heroes. That's Tuck and that's Daniel. Uh, and fellas, um, hmm, not a lot of good things could happen to you from this movie. Eh? <laughs> uh, I'd watch Hannibal with you. If you yeah. uh, if you wanted, you know, we could just chill. Eat some popcorn. Watch Hannibal. Uh, if you have anything you want to say to us, you can email us at hanksypanksypod at gmail.com. And that's it. Uh, that's all I got.
1: Do you have a final quote?
0: Oh yeah, I do have that. It's James Pembry. Talk to him, (laughs) goddammit. That was said by a Memphis cop to a man standing over Hannibal wearing another man's face. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's it from us. We'll be back next week with a different horror film. Thank y'all.